Um, thanks very much, Barbara, for that introduction. And um, I'm really pleased to be here um, today, so thanks very much for the invitation. And um, those of you who looked at the programme earlier uh, may have been looking forward to hearing from our Chief Executive, Vicky Stott, and, and she's very sorry that she's not able to be with you. So, And I'm very sorry that I'm not Vicky, but nonetheless, I'm very glad that I was able to join you. Um, and a very happy um, 10th anniversary to our partner agency, um, QQI. Um, it's re really good to be here. Um, we're part of a, a globally connected world. Um, our students are going to go out into the wild and do all the wonderful things they do there um, in, uh, in a, a very, very diverse uh, and a globally connected environment. And that's why it's such a great topic to have and to have this opportunity um, to, to talk about that. But what do we understand by internationalization? And we were talking in the last session about the usefulness or the value of thinking about modes or thinking about a definition of terms. So you know, what, what are the things that we think about when we think of internationalization? Um, and I just wanted to share with you this photograph of a, a painter and decorator's van that I spotted. Um, and this was what internationalization meant to that, that particular small business. So they're offering to conduct their services in New York, Paris, Madrid, but mostly the Glasgow area, which um, I, I think was an interesting choice. So the mix of internationalization is likely to be different um, for different institutions, but often in a higher education setting, um, it's some kind of combination of these things. It's about thinking about an international experience for all of your current students. It might be quite a lot about recruiting students from outside Ireland. Um, and it might also be about delivering education internationally. I think a really important thing is to be very clear about what your strategy is, um, perhaps a little bit like the um, painter and decorator in Glasgow, being, being pretty clear about where, what, what your particular mix is, what your, the distinctiveness of your offer is. So thinking about collaborative partnerships and transnational education perhaps in particular, what, what, you know, what kind of composition or what, what, um, how can we define or what characterizes successful partnerships? So that clarity of purpose that I talked about, um, institutional risk, of course, we're always wanting to manage. All kinds of things are a risk to an institution and we want to manage all of those things insofar as we can. But um, very rarely is the old saying truer than in an international context that it takes many, many decades to build up your reputation, but actually it can be lost remarkably quickly. Um, and one unfortunate transnational education experience can you know, hit the headlines like few other things. So not to completely um, scare the undergarments from you, but it, it, it managing institutional or identifying and managing institutional risk becomes particularly important when you're engaging in that international space. Um, so um, one of the things that you will want to think about then is, you know, of course, you always want the positive relationship in your partnership. It's often great when you know, a senior member of your institution has been at a conference somewhere overseas, they've met some folk, they've had a fabulous time, they have so much in common, and the next thing you want to do is to collaborate with them. The partnership is incredibly positive at that point. Um, not only do you want to be really clear um, about what that partnership is all about, but you also want to make sure that you're going to manage and maintain that 
that positive relationship all the way through, including to the end. Um, it's very useful for you to think about what might the exit strategy or what might prompt you to exit an arrangement in a constructive and respectful manner, maintaining that positive relationship, because it's so fundamental for your students who are involved um, in that. And that's a challenge. It can be difficult when there can be some misunderstandings and interesting routes um, along the way. So one of the things that's very helpful for you to consider is not only the clarity of your purpose, but what actually is your partnership delivering for your students? Not only those students who are immediately involved in that partnership, but also your wider student community. Did, have you engaged in a partnership because of complementarity? Uh, is your partner bringing something to the equation that you can't otherwise deliver? Or have you come into the partnership because of your similarities? So these are um, useful things to, to consider. But overall, what you're really seeking to do is to build a successful student and a staff community. Sometimes we think about the role of students, and I'm a long-time champion of student engagement, so and you won't um, hear me saying anything different than, than that, but I'm also fundamentally a believer in the importance of creating a, a, partner, a partnership in that community, and I think that partnership between staff and students, one that recognises and respects the professionalism of staff, is incredibly important, and making sure that the staff, wherever they might be located, actually understand what the nature of the partnership is, understand what you were hoping to do, and understand the culture that you would uh, that you that you instill in your staff, irrespective of where they might be located. So, um, moving on a little bit. Um, we, in the last session, again, I'll refer back to, we talked about modes or modalities of, of delivery. Um, if you're thinking about engaging, um, particularly internationally, and then you'll want to think about the mode. What will that look like? Will it involve your staff in a sort of flying faculty model? Will they physically be going um, overseas to visit institutions? That, in the before times, was quite a common and fairly well-respected model, particularly a lot of positive comments coming through our experience of collaborative activity or transnational education. A lot of positive comments were um, adhered to the flying faculty model at great benefits and staff being able to mix together for all of the reasons I was just talking about. But of course, we now need to also think about the sustainability of that. We think about the environmental sustainability um, and the costs of doing that. And, and, and again, drawing on some of the lessons of the last um, the last session, can we think about the ways in which technology can help to attract the benefits that we used to get from being physically in the same space together, but actually perhaps in a more constant way through that use of technology? I've mentioned the quite specific point about staff development opportunities. We are often um, in these sessions very laid forward around thinking about quality assurance and the importance of um, securing academic standards, and I'll come on to say something about that shortly. But it's also really important to think about those opportunities for enhancing quality and sharing so that you're anticipating where there might be challenges and so that you're not only um, looking at them, building them into your, um, to your slightly, what can often be a little bit more retrospective practices or ways of discovering things through quality assurance processes, but actually you're anticipating them um, and in, engaging in joint um, staff development opportunities is quite a common way of, um, of doing that and creating that understanding. I promised I'd say something about academic standards. Um, I will do. Um, it, 
actually, if you can't secure the academic standard of the award that you're delivering and that you're delivering in partnership, then the nature of the student experience is much less important. That fundamentally, in higher education, we must be able, we, we must ensure that the value of the qualification that's recognised and that's respected isn't cast into any kind of doubt. And as soon as you begin to deliver a qualification in partnership, there are a number of really important things that you need to, to, to make sure you're doing. The clarity of responsibility has to be fundamentally important. Uh, whose responsibility is it? Is it yours? Is it, your, is it the responsibility of your partner? Where's the handshake between to those two sets of responsibilities? We need to think about um, different marking traditions, for example. You might need to think about the ways in which you're going to incorporate a portion of learning that's been undertaken by students elsewhere into the overall award. How will that slot in together? What will the impact of that be on the overall um, what we would think of as a classification of the overall grade for the, for the student outcome. Um, and finally, um, and, uh, uh, and absolutely fundamentally, and I know there's going to be a full session on this a little bit later, we need to think about the academic integrity of the award. So you'll want to be very certain that uh, you're um, recording student achievement, and when you're doing that, it is the student's own achievement that you're recording and that they haven't fallen foul of um, SE Mills or any of these other nefarious operators, which I'm sure we'll talk, talk, our uh, colleagues will talk about in the later session. But academic standards are a slightly grim and white-knuckled place to, to end on, so I'm going to um, move back out into thinking a little bit more about the, the joys and the great benefits um, and focus again on that globally connected community. Um, one of the key things that we're looking at now is thinking about inclusivity. You're think, and, and that involves respecting um, our differences and our diversities and learning from them. We're all the greater when we have included all of the people who might be in the room, making sure that actually the room doesn't have and hidden barriers that we don't think of, those of us who are fortunate enough to have privilege in that kind of space. So it's important to recognise where the barriers to, include, to including um, students and indeed staff into particular partnership arrangements, where might those barriers be and how can you break them down to make sure that we are being inclusive because that's certainly the community that our um, students, when they do go out and do all of the exciting things they do as graduates, and that's the world they're going to be moving into. So it's important to be thinking about the kind of language that we're using to make sure that we don't have misunderstandings, that we aren't divided by our common language, as we sometimes think of in English, which is so widely spoken in all parts of the world, but actually do we mean the same things when we use similar sounding words or even the same words sometimes? Um, and the final word I'm just going to end on is uh, thinking about skills. So we not only want our students to come into an inclusive and respectful learning community, but you're also instilling in them, helping them to acquire the kinds of skills that will help them to, to create inclusive and respectful of diversity communities when they do go out um, as graduates and engage. Um, I'm going to leave it there, but I thank you very much indeed for your attention. I'm very much looking forward to the discussion. That was a bit of a canter through, but hopefully um, we'll have uh, given some cause, cause for thought and we'll pick up in the discussion later. Thank you.